Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents Streetwise Theology Out of the Ivory Tower and Back into the Hands of the Invisible Church Welcome to Streetwise Theology. My name is Luke Saint. Let me begin by saying this podcast will address a type of homosexuality that I believe is unknown in the Christian world a type that exists as a result of unstable same-sex parental relationships. One becomes a homosexual in one of two ways and two ways only, through sexual abuse as a child or through unstable-slash-misunderstood parental relationships also endured through adolescence. I will focus on the latter. As stated in the last podcast, much ado has been spent arguing over the classification of homosexuality. Is it akin to fornication and pornography? How about adultery? Is it equal to pedophilia and bestiality? Some have concluded that homosexuality is to be thrown in with fornication and adultery is simply, quote, something you may not struggle with, but I do, unquote. The argument is this. Everyone has their Achilles heel, as it were. Some people fight alcoholism, some pornography, others battle drugs. In the same breath, they say, some struggle with homosexuality. In the online arguments, the battle is defined by how one classifies homosexuality, If one was to argue that it is worse than the other regular sins, then they now have to answer to why they think that some sins are regular. The fact is, no adjective can be put in front of sin. All sin is equally wicked. What do we do with pedophilia? Surely no one likens that monstrosity to fornication. Does the pedophile resign his argument to, well, you struggle with your desire to fornicate, and I struggle with my desire to have sex with a five-year-old? Argument stated. Do we now go our separate ways? Hey friend, good luck with your pederasty problem. Absolutely not. Action must be taken immediately. It is hard to say that sins are more wicked than others, but it is appropriate to say that some sins are more perverse than others. One does not merely wake up a pedophile. There is no one who had man's best friend yesterday and now wants to, quote, marry his best friend, unquote, today. Perversion does not happen overnight. We have to say that there are natural and unnatural tendencies in the mind of man. If we go with Paul's language in Romans 1, namely, For this reason God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. It is a natural tendency to want to procreate with the opposite sex. This desire is not learned or taught and actually could appear overnight. Homosexuality does not appear overnight, nor does it come about by any natural means. Paul here communicates that the nature of homosexuality is indeed unnatural. The problem of homosexuality in Christian culture is not in its classification, but in its nature. Very few know or care about what constitutes a homosexual drive. Most believe that it is a super perversion, like if you were to watch a copious amount of pornography, you will eventually become a homosexual, or if you simply want to really rebel against God, then you kick in the homosexual overdrive. This, of course, is nonsense. In her book, Homosexuality, A New Christian Ethic, Elizabeth Moberly presents the argument that homosexuality is not an inability to interact with the opposite sex, but rather it is an emotional and psychological deficit in regards to same-sex relations. Simply put, male homosexuals do not know how to respond and act towards men, and female homosexuals do not know how to respond and act towards women. 
What does this mean? She writes, quote, Homosexuality is a phenomenon of same-sex ambivalence, not just same-sex love. And it is in itself a relational deficit vis-a-vis the same sex rather than vis-a-vis the opposite sex. These points are of major importance in stating what is and what is not the problem of homosexuality, unquote. It should be noted here that those who grew up in a family wherein this deficit is manifested do not automatically become homosexuals. There is no guaranteed sure-fired way to become a homosexual. Indeed, not even sexual abuse can ensure this. But I believe that Moberly makes a good case that, while not everyone becomes a homosexual through same-sex relational deficits or molestation, every homosexual that has ever lived has been born out of one of these two scenarios and these two scenarios alone. She continues in laying out the difference between homosexuality and heterosexuality. Quote, the normal process of growth has been interrupted and left unfulfilled, and the capacity for same-sex love is itself the attempt to restore the disrupted attachment. It is this that the homosexual strives towards. Thus, the nature of the homosexual drive itself marks the fundamental criticism of the homosexual condition and indicates that homosexuals are not satisfied with their state as it is. In other words, it is the drive towards and longing for same-sex psychological completion that itself criticizes the state of completion that it stems from any attempts to make good. The end result of this process of growth is heterosexuality, understood as the capacity for relating to people as a psychologically complete member of one's own sex. It is not sexual activity with the opposite sex that defines the heterosexual, since such activity may be relatively superficial. The central criterion must be the nature and direction of the underlying psychological needs. True heterosexuality must be based on a heteropsychological personality structure. Heterosexuality, no less than homosexuality, has suffered from partial and misleading definitions hitherto. In particular, has been a mistake to define heterosexuality solely vis-a-vis the opposite sex and not as a state in itself. It implies the fulfillment of certain psychological needs and not just the potential for sexual activity. There is the latter, but it is based on the former. Moreover, heterosexuality has definite implications for relating to the same sex as well as to the opposite sex. Relationships with the same sex are no longer governed by the need to fulfill an incomplete same-sex identity. Heterosexuality is the ability to relate to both sexes, not just to the opposite sex, as a psychologically complete member of one's own sex. It thus has social as well as sexual implications." What is being said here is that the homosexuals are driven by a need to fulfill a natural desire to relate to the same sex. This is unknown to them just as an adult orphan is unaware of what he has missed psychologically without a family structure. The homosexual thus does not know how to treat himself. How do you teach yourself to relate to the opposite sex? This is virtually impossible to do on your own and requires a mentor, preferably a father or mother. And here is where we reach the crux of the struggle, the father and the mother. Here, indeed, we realize the incredible importance that a godly family structure plays in the role of rearing and teaching its children. It is here that we find the cure and the disease. The desire for homosexuals to relate to the same sex is juvenile. This is a natural desire. Every person must be taught how to accomplish this. There is nothing unnatural about it. This desire is at the core of what drives the homosexual to become the way he is. When growing up, every child must learn from their respective parent how to interact with their respective sex. Many times, social cues or interactions can be misinterpreted by the viewer and can therefore lead him to struggling to understand his own sex. This, combined with sin, can lead to a perverse understanding of same-sex relations. This perversion manifests itself in homoeroticization. Shockingly, a single event can be the catalyst. Usually, it is many events over a long period of time pushing the child away from a true understanding of his or her own sex.
Moberly writes, quote, The causation of homosexuality is not a simple matter, and several points need to be made in connection with this. One is that many things are capable of causing the disruption and attachment that underlies the homosexual condition. It is not a question of one particular cause leading of necessity to one particular effect. Any incident that happens to take place in a particular strain on the relationship between the child and the parent of the same sex is potentially causative. At the same time, the effect need not always be actualized. A child may genuinely get over a hurtful situation. Or, alternatively, other damages may result rather than a disruption in the child's attachment to the same-sex parent. It is considerations such as these that make the discussion of causation a complex one. A divorce, for instance, may sometimes have a lasting effect on the child's ability to relate to a parental figure of the same sex. Or it may affect the ability to relate to a parental figure of the opposite sex. It may have neither effect. This does not imply inconsistency, but simply, and very importantly, the absence of determinism. No particular incident must inevitably disrupt the attachment to the same-sex parent, but any of the wide variety of incidents may, in certain cases, happen to result in this particular form of psychological damage. The common factor in every case is disruption in the attachment to the parent of the same sex, however it may have been caused. Whatever the particular incident may be, it is something that has been experienced as hurtful by the child, whether or not intended as hurtful by the parent. The parent may or may not be culpable, but in either case the child has genuinely been hurt. The difficulty arises when such hurt is accompanied by an unwillingness to relate any longer to the love source that has been experienced as hurtful. This implies an abiding defect in the child's relational capacity. The tragedy is that subsequent to this effect, the behavior of the same-sex parent becomes irrelevant since the child is no longer able to relate normally to him or her. Even if love is offered, it cannot be received. This is crucial both to the statement of the problem and the question of responsibility." Unquote. As stated before, most homosexuals are unaware that these things are happening. In fact, when asked, many homosexuals relate happy stories of good relationships and fond memories. Few, if any, can pinpoint these events that lead to their inadequate understanding of how to relate to their sex. Moberly illustrates, quote, At the same time, it must be emphasized that this relational defect may not be evident, or not more than just partially evident, to appearances. At this conscious level, an adjustment may be made that leaves few or even no signs of disturbance. Family relationships of the homosexual may in a number of instances seem to be good. Indeed, in such cases, they are good at a certain level. This is not an objection to the present hypothesis, since that we are speaking of this intrapsychic damage at a deep level, much of which may not be overt or conscious. Similarly, it may not always be readily evident what led to the defect in the first place. The cause may not always be readily recognized or recognized for what it is. It is perhaps more surprising how often the difficulty and the cause of the difficulty are obvious. Unquote. This observation explains the complexity and the enormity of the problem. As a result, every homosexual needs counseling, either officially or unofficially. This also explains why most homosexuals cannot simply heal themselves, as many addicts to pornography or drugs have been able to do. Simple re restraining of homosexual desire is not sufficient to counteract a psychological need for proper same-sex relational understanding. Indeed, Moberly goes on to say that, quote, the solution to the problem of the homosexual condition is not sexual activity. Unfortunately, mere abstinence from sexual activity has often been mistaken for the solution without the realization that there are certain legitimate psychological needs involved which ought not to be left unmet. One should neither ignore unmet needs, the conservative mistake, nor eroticize them, the liberal mistake. It is the failure to understand this that the, has led to the polarization of the debate on homosexuality, unquote. 
In responding to the needs of the homosexual, it is important to realize this, that every homosexual struggles with an improper understanding of legitimate needs. The need for men to relate to men and women to relate to women in the way as God intended is a basic function of humanity. The role of the family in accomplishing this is laid out in Scripture all over the place. Fathers, don't provoke your sons to wrath, for example. Homosexuality is a sin that needs a very specific cure. Strong same-sex relationships. Moberly states, quote, Every aspect of the wounds of the past may be held to the love of Jesus Christ for his healing. However, inner healing is more than just a healing of memories or emotions attached to those memories. This is only one side of the matter, and there are also the consequences of past hurts to be dealt with. Unmet needs must still be met in order to make up for missing growth. It must always be remembered that the therapeutic task is in this way twofold. In practice, the fulfillment of unmet needs will almost certainly require the outworking of supportive same-sex relationships as well as prayer, particularly where the deficit involved is very extensive. Relationships are the normal medium for psychological growth within the purposes of God. As such, it is important to make the fullest possible use of them as God-given channels for healing. For the homosexual, this will involve the fulfillment of needs that would have ordinarily been met through the attachment to the parent of the same sex. These can and should be fulfilled without sexual activity. But they will not go unfulfilled unless there are people who are willing to provide good non-sexual relationships. The church cannot seek healing for the homosexual out of a distance. This is effectively a contradiction in terms. There must be a more widespread involvement, unquote. Coupled with prayer, the presence of strong same-sex relationships is the answer to the homosexual question. By demonstrating the proper relational identity to our homosexual friends, this influence can have a lasting impact on their unmet needs. It is a call to action on our part, that is, to show God's love towards his children in the form that is not often used to describe Jesus himself as a friend. He is our Lord, Savior, Redeemer, Father, King, and Friend. Yes, Jesus describes himself as our friend. We must reflect this love to our homosexual friends in a way that they never receive from their parents. There is no need to replace their parents, rather simply show that kind of love. This kind of healing, however, could take years or could take months. Ultimately, it is in God's hands. But every Christian knows that salvation does not cure addiction or perversion. Action must be taken. We do not leave the homosexual after repentance. Healing must take place. It is here that our friendships matter most. Christ healed the sick people, both physically and mentally. A brief word about the difference in militant corporate homosexuality and personal homosexuality. Militant corporate homosexuality seeks to pervert culture to their perversion. There is no misunderstanding here. As a whole, this manifestation of homosexuality must be met with disgust, rebuke, opposition, and the full orb gospel. As a movement, it has no innocent goals. In fact, the goal is to force others to celebrate homosexuality and to recruit more homosexuals. This must not be met with friendship. Homosexuals as individuals, on the other hand, must also be met with the full orb gospel and a specific focus on friendship. By befriending the homosexual, it is the first step to healing. It is the first step to addressing the unmet psychological needs that every homosexual carries around on the backs like Christian in the city of destruction. By the grace of the Lord, they too will see their burdens tumble into the abyss at the foot of the cross. Please tune in next week as I interview the former president of the Reading Chapter of Homosexuals Anonymous and ask him about his extensive experience in this matter. Be strong and courageous, my friends. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Streetwise Theology, brought to you by the Mid-Atlantic Reformation Society and Reconstructionist Radio. Please visit reconstructionistradio.com and thinkandreform.org.
Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows, or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit reconstructionistradio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His kingdom.